Blabberbrains. Welcome back to the season finale of the Blabberbrain show. And uh, we are really excited to bring in our next guest, uh, the legendary vocalist, uh, author, uh, songwriter. Uh, you're, I mean, look, you're, you're at, at this point in time, you're both legendary. Lacey and Josh Stern, ladies and gentlemen. Let's give a nice big round of applause. Thank you, guys. We're one now. We've been married almost 13 years. So. <laughs> We're kind of one now. I get to take all of her accolades with me. Did, did, it, did it take 13 years to get there? Uh, yeah, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all of the 13 years. Okay. Well, that's Don't awesome. Don't you have to kind of combine your names like all the other famous people out there? What yeah, would power that, couples. What would that combo be? Uh, Joshy, it's not very cute. Josh, no. Leish, <laughs> Leishua, Maybe. Leishua. Just doesn't seem to roll off the tongue, guys. It doesn't, doesn't. I'll have to try to figure something else out. Anyways, so, uh, yeah, it's awesome having you guys on. Um, you know, this is, these are crazy times, right? So we, we need inspirational people to, uh, you know, lift everybody up. Uh, from the tough times that we're in right now. And, uh, you know, I can't think of anybody I personally know that's, that's more inspiring than not just Lacey because of your, your life and because of your music, but Josh, you as well. Um, uh, you know, you guys, uh, you know, doing the Reflect Love Back and everything. Um, you know, that's really inspiring for everybody. But uh, musically, I mean, you guys really are a, a team and you've been a team for, for a while. Um, so how does that work like musically when you guys are, are working together? Is it Lacey comes up with the idea, you come up with the idea? Is it, is it split? Is it working together? It's because uh, when whenever I see you guys doing live streams and it's almost just like, and you're doing just things off the cuff and it just seems like so natural and you're just like diddling around and stuff. So how does it that usually also, work? That also took 13 years for us. <laughs> <laughs> we fought every time we tried to play music together. Well, first of all, we never played music together for like the first four or five years. No, wait, how long? Probably four or five years of our marriage, we never played music together. Wow. Things she did, you know, because she was leaving Flyleaf and I was quit playing music at the time. So it just, it was an obvious thing. We just never did it. And then right. we tried doing it and uh, had very different approaches, right? What's your approach? Well, I think our problem was we were both trying to follow the other one accommodate each other and it's just so frustrating i'm like i'm trying to do what you're doing and he's like well i'm not doing anything i'm trying to do what you're doing and i'm like does it work follow the leader and nobody's leading type <laughs> right. thing and honestly we, we fought every time and then we finally figured out she just you know had had said that one day and i finally figured okay i'm just gonna play what i think is good and if she doesn't like it she'll tell me to change it yeah Cause I'd change it. Cause I thought she didn't like it. She goes, why'd you change that? You know, and <laughs> guitar down. I don't want to do this anymore type thing. <laughs> it was not easy. Listen, if you, if, uh, yeah, lots of things in marriage are not easy writing music together and playing. Yeah. That took us at least 10 years to be able to like flow like that. And actually, and he's like, and I'm like, can you play this song? Like on stage? He's like, I didn't, I didn't work that. I don't, I didn't, I didn't practice, you know, like that's, that song's right. not in the set. What are you talking about? I'm like, right. I just, I just want to see you play it. <laughs> like, on so, the stage, yeah. you're a freaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There are, you know, those of us that, that you know, we we don't just know every single song in the whole entire history of the universe. It's just you know, <laughs> we got to learn certain certain things. <laughs> right. so, well, I mean, like, I mean, right now, 
nobody's playing out or doing anything. Um, you know, I, and I know you guys are, are trying to keep busy with doing stuff. And I know you, you know, Josh, you're, you're recording in the studio. Lacey, you've been writing and stuff like that. But uh, are you guys still prepping for the time when you can go back out? Or are you you're still building on, on new songs and stuff like that? I'm not counting on being able to go out again, which okay. maybe that sounds a little uh, grim. Pessimistic. <laughs> um, but honestly, I've, I've always enjoyed just recording and writing in general. And so the touring part, I thought I loved touring, but I realized that I'm not as much of a fan of touring as I thought I was, especially having three kids. It's, it's not easy. Oh, yeah. you know? It's like, and so I think that um, we are writing and doing a lot of stuff right now, but I don't know that we're making many plans to be able to tour that. It's, you know, nobody can really make solid plans at the moment. Right. Um, we are proceeding forward with music as far as taking it to the live stage. I don't know. What does that look like? I think they're sorting out ways to do that. I think probably by the time it's warm, they'll probably figure out a way to put everybody six feet apart in an arena outside, you know, or something like that if we wanted to, but. Yeah, I know Live Nation said their work. Live Nation said they're they they're pretty optimistic that concerts will resume in tw- like this by the summer of 2021. Yeah. Uh, I even heard today something about they're going to be using this technology that they're using at uh, like a lot of universities in the um, and, and pros in the uh, with sports, and it's this drone type of thing that like does ultraviolet lay, uh, rays uh, and kind of scans everything and, and sanitizes everything, and they're talking about like. I don't know how safe this is or whether people be on board with it, but like, like if you have like a football stadium with fans or whatever, or, or a concert with people there, there'd be this drone flying around that's constantly scanning people and, and, and having this ultraviolet light ray, you know, light going out. I don't know how safe that is, but they're, they're experimenting with it right Just now. Just make sure that you have an overhang wherever you're playing, make sure there's a top. And you're not right. out there just in case that's going on so it could ricochet <laughs> off the roof. Yeah, I was going to say, there's going to be those people with like the tinfoil hats playing. They're not yeah. <laughs> Literally, yeah. No, um, no, they might... There's a Portlandia episode. <laughs> Literally, you have to watch it after this is over. There's a Portlandia episode where they talk about going to festivals and how annoying it is to park and all this other stuff. And you can just sit on your couch and wear a VR mask and fly a drone to the concert and get your own position. Oh, and you go there without being there. Well, what, what good is that? You might as well just watch the video on YouTube or something like that. That's just dumb. It's not too far away from what we're talking about here. Right. It, I don't know. Whatever. That's annoying. Hopefully, uh, one way or the other, I think that things will, will eventually resume. Whether you guys decide to go back out or not, it's going to be you know your call what you want to do. But as long as the music keeps flowing and keeps coming. I mean, you released uh, The Decree not long ago, which is a absolutely amazing song. And... Um, Wish I, we had a way to play it here right now for, for everybody, but um, yeah, just go out there and check it out on, on YouTube, just everybody. Click the link right here. Yeah, right there. <laughs> make, that, make that happen. I'll put that in post. I'll put a link right there. Do it in post. So, uh, no, it's a, it's a really uh, amazing song. It's, it's funny because anytime I have that song on and it's just like, it's kind of like this build up, you know, and then, uh, and then the scream comes in. It's like, you know, even like gets my kids like, what? you know what I mean? <laughs> Kind of like startles them or something. And uh, what are you yelling? You're on help, right? At the, at the beginning there with the loud scream. But it's, it's I don't know. I, I love that kind of stuff. And um, But I one thing I want to talk about with that song, because you recorded that in, in your home, and I was just blown away whenever you were posting videos of, uh, of Tom playing the drums, like in the middle of your living room right there. And I'm like, how, does he, how the heck do you get that sound, that, 
that killer drum sound, like just recording it in your open living room. But then, you know, when you're playing some stuff for me that, that you're recording, you're working with another band. Um, and I, I told you this in person. I, you know, you have found the, the, the secret or, or success of being able to get a, capture a sound that I haven't heard anybody else in Pittsburgh. Everybody else in Pittsburgh just falls short of being able to capture great uh, drum sounds, good vocals, guitar sounds. You, the drums are slamming when you record them. And, and uh, I, again, I'm, I'm just in awe of how, how it sounds. But um, I mean, how long did you, did you work on trying to perfect that or, or trial and error with things? 13 years. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it takes 12 years to, to just scratch the surface of. Right. I mean, honestly, before we even jumped on here, I'm working on mixes like I've showed yeah. to you. Mm -hmm. And I'm struggling through them. It's like sound engineering is not something you just jump into one day. And so thank you, by the way. That's a great compliment. Um, I worked very hard on that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm still learning how to do it. I, I think that I want to hear the thing about music that's that I love about live music is if you sit and listen to a drum kit next to you, it really doesn't sound that great. Most times you just hold your ears because the cymbals are so loud. Right. It's obnoxious. Right. Then you go to a club or you hear a CD and you hear the drum sound on there and you're like, this is what it should sound like. You know, those, right. those tones are in the drums. Right. You've got to find how to pull them out of them and which ones to kind of bring down. And you're, you're kind of making it sound, augmenting it a little bit, making it different. But yeah, I just, um, on that song and the ones I'm working on now, I just make them sound the way that I want to hear a drum sound. I want it to kick you in the gut. You know, I want you to feel that. I want the snare just to like make you go, Ugh, your face, that type right. of thing. So. No, I mean, um, but the, the other part of that is, uh, I, mean, I just have, I've, I've recorded in so many studios here in Pittsburgh and it's, they, they, they fall short on the vocals as well. Yeah. Um, now obviously it, it, it takes a great vocalist to be able to lay down and get something raw. And it takes the combination of having a really sweet microphone to be able to you know, to record that, but that's not all it takes to, to to get that capture that sound. So, what else do you you guys do to to make sure you're getting the best vocal sound? Um, you have a singer like Lacey. I mean, I'm, I I say that I don't say that jokingly because honestly, I'll record the exact same microphone that she sings into, the exact same like chain of effects and all these different things, and it just doesn't sound great because right. I just have, like some people just have a great voice to record and Lacey has one of those voices that when she opens her mouth it just sounds good you know you, you don't hear how someone they say oh you're so photogenic every picture I take you looks good and other people are like I cannot get a good picture of myself or whoever it is right. I think it's the same way the vocals and so I don't know that that's so much a critique of Pittsburgh studios or maybe just a person's voice or something like that I just I think that she makes it easy. When I record her, everything sounds good. Maybe it's the fact that you've been out of the area and she's not from Pittsburgh. People like me go into this, they're like, well, I want to try to get it to sound like him. I'm from Pittsburgh and that's where they screw everything up. <laughs> but it, it, it's true what Mike says. I, I could I could be listening to the radio and it doesn't matter what the band is. If it's I could I could pick out a local recording just like that. I'll be listening to to the local station the X and um I could I hear a song start up and I could go to somebody next time. I'm like, this is a local band. They're like, how do you know it's a local band? And at the end of the song, local band, so-and-so. And it's always that same thing. It's that drum sound like they're, you know, in a not on the other side of the building and the, <laughs> and the vocals are just sort of flat and the guitar is usually super um, Thin. Compressed, yeah, compressed and there's no life to it or anything like that. And I've listened to, you know, what you've, had coming out of just your own studio and it doesn't sound anything like 
like Pittsburgh. And I think it's just, a, I think a lot of it has to, like what you're saying, you have Lacey singing, but even with the drum sound and things like that, maybe it's just the fact that you've been out, you've been out of this city for, for a while and you're, and you hear everything. I don't know. There's just something different. Cause I've gone, like Mike says, you could go into a studio that's incredibly expensive here. And I, it's always that same thing. You could, you could pick out the local recordings, no matter how much money seems yep. to be spent on. I don't know. And I don't, and I don't get it. No. And uh, another, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to be asking questions that the stuff that I want to know, because our, our, you know, people watch this show that they're probably in the same uh, vein. And I, you know, I'm asking questions that, you know, everybody knows the back story of everything and the, the, the stuff that you can just go on the internet and find the answers for. I, I don't want those answers. I want to, some of the technical juicy stuff. So like, I want to talk about like Lacey, when you're recording vocals, um, the one thing I notice is on, on a lot of songs, ending back with Flyleaf and with your, your solo stuff, there's always like these really cool layered vocals. And um, is that something that whenever you're coming up with the, the melody line or you're recording, you already have those parts in mind or is it listening back and say, oh, this would sound really cool here. And you just start layering them in. Like what's the process for, for coming up with those really cool like layered uh, harmonies and vocal lines and stuff? I think the first time we ever did that was when I was with, <laughs> did our first album with Flyleaf, um, the self-titled one with Howard Benson. And he, um, he is all about the vocal. I mean, that his his claim to fame is, I remember the first conversation I had with him uh, to see what he was like. And of course I didn't really have an opinion. I mean, I didn't really have a say in the end. The record label was the one that was like, this is the guy, you know, but you should talk to him and see what you think. You know, it's kind of like whatever. But when I talked to him, he is, I was like, you know, I want to be able to hear pretty much. I described the way Josh mixes. Which really good. I, like, I want to be able to hear if I want to listen to the hi-hat, I want to hear it. You know, if I want to listen to whatever part of the band, I want to be able to hear it. And, and that's what I think is cool about this album, this album. And I was trying to explain that to him and he goes, nobody gives a crap about the hi-hat. Except he didn't say crap. He said something else. Right. Um, <laughs> Started with an F. No, um, no. <laughs> nobody cares about the hi hat, and and I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, if you're on a beach and you're walking past, nobody's gonna be like, hey, look at that hi hat. <laughs> he's like, they're gonna go, who's the singer? Right. <laughs> he literally, like, I don't care about your band. <laughs> I just want to, you know, make your voice sound great. And I was like, well, that's not really how we roll, you right. know, Flyleaf. You know, we're all equals, and. You know, right. And he was like, not to me. No, <laughs> I was like, okay, well, but when I got in the studio, I could see that the time he took on the vocals was really his main thing. Like he pretty much, you know, like he, he was the one that came up with all the layers with all the, you know, not necessarily. And, and some of it was ridiculous. Like, I'm like, there's no way I can sing what you just played on the piano. I'm like, right. he's eh, eh, just try it. I'll fix it. Just eh. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're like, ah, <laughs> and I'm trying to say, all around me. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, there are some like pretty high harmonies and stuff, and you know. like, great, great. That's perfect. I'm like, <laughs> do it that. So honestly, just to give him credit, all the layers you're talking about really is, well, it started with him, you know, right. and him deciding. And I'm like, first of all, when he was talking about it, I'm like, I'm never going to do that on stage. Like uh, that. And I was real protective over our live show. He goes, do whatever the, you want, you know. Right. <laughs> whatever you want on live. 
but this is not going to be live. Like make it be a unique experience live. And I'm like, I will, cause I'm never going to do it. <laughs> and so yeah, the songs never change. Like there, there's a give and take on, there's a give and take on that. And I, and I understand it. And as a, as a, you know, musician, producer, and a, and a fan of music, um, I, I, I understand both sides. I like when you're putting it in recording, it's there forever and you want it to be as perfect as possible. And it doesn't matter whether that can be replicated. You know, so many people think they got to go out and be Boston or journey or something like this and replicate that sound live, which is really cool if, if you can do that, but it's also okay. If you're, you just say, we're a rock band. We're just, we're just going to, when we get on stage, we're just going to rock it out. We're going to do it the way we're going to bring you a live experience. We're not trying to make it seem like you're listening to the record when we're playing live in front of you. So I understand that, that it's okay to go do that in the studio because you know, if you have all these different, you know, parts that you're singing, you know, layering in behind you, but you don't have those people on stage doing that, that with you, um, it's, it's fine because when the majority of the time people aren't going to be watching you live, they're going to be listening to the stuff that you have, you know, recorded in the studio. That's so, what Howard's trying to tell us. Right. And all we ever heard was, we're not listening to our album. We're just hearing us live, you know? Right. So our experience is, well, we're going to play what we want. And it was never the same. Not with Samir, Pat, Jared. James is probably similar to right. same. Um, I never sing the same. Um, and the thing is, also, we kept the way we wrote some of the songs, even though he changed it. I remember when we got some of those things back. And um, I was like, why did he cut out that whole bridge? Like, that's like half the song. Like, I'm right. like, we're playing that live. <laughs> you know, like, we <laughs> kept it. And so our fans that come to our shows know the difference a lot of times. But, um, you know, those are different fans, too. I, I feel, I, I realize that now that we don't tour it hardly ever, especially in Flyleaf, the fans that love the music recorded is a huge, huge, I mean, it's like, it's, it's just so much, it's, it's just as deep. It's just as real for them, you know, but right. I don't ever meet them. So I don't think about them as much as the ones I see face to face at shows and ones that always come and, you know. Now, how much, how much do you think that you gained um, new fans from your solo stuff? Or do you think that the bulk of those are carryover from Flyleaf? Or maybe uh -huh. it's the other way around. Maybe you have a lot of new, new fans that, that are just experiencing you. You know, what's weird is I feel like, this is something I feel like God did, you know, um, because I was quit Flyleaf and did not plan to sing ever again on stage. Like I was right. not trying to pursue a music career. Um, but again, you know, when I was, you know, my, a little of my story that everybody could find on the internet, um, when I was 16 and, and uh, planned to end my life and had this encounter with God on that day, I knew that, not only going from atheists to not believing there's God and it's all random accidents to like, God is real. He created us all and he's intentional. And that was really clear to me. And I was, and it was the, the fear of God was, I had the fear of God. I was terrifying to be an atheist in front of God. Right. <laughs> it's just like, obviously any, you know, created being in front of your creator. If you ever thought about that for any length of time, it kind of blows your mind just thinking about it, but actually experiencing that for me was like, okay, I realized I didn't choose to be bored and that was your idea. And so, okay, what am I doing here? And uh, that's kind of the seasons that change in my life. I have my own ideas and then I always, in the end, I'm like, okay, so what do you think about this idea? <laughs> like, or like, he'll show me, you <laughs> know, like, well, right. that's working out. Um, but with music, particularly after I left Flyleaf, 
I, um, I did not think I would be back out. And the first time I was on a stage again was telling the story I just shared. Um, <clears throat> I really felt clear that even though I wasn't going to do music, that I needed to say yes to something that I didn't think I would do, which was tell my story. Franklin Graham asked me to come and tell that story of how <clears throat> I was suicidal. A lot of kids struggle with depression and suicide. And, um, and at that time, I was home with my, my son. I think, I don't figure out how, how old was that? Joshua. It's like a year and a half, two years. Wow. And um, he's like, we're going to do five shows. We went up the Mississippi River and we want you to come tell your story. You know, we'll give you 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. And um, the weirdest thing is like, that was a brand new audience to me. Right. And, and uh, I didn't know how to talk. I'm like, what do I do with my hands? Like, Can I just have a guitar? Hold on. Hold on. My grand- Two months. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think a song, I'll just sing a little song. So I wrote a song for that purpose right. to actually tell my story. So I could I could talk if I had a song to get me going. Right. <laughs> so I so I wrote the reason. The reason, yeah. For that purpose, and then Josh encouraged me to write a book, and then I got more opportunities, and that opened up a bigger audience and just like mental health audience of like talking about depression and suicide, and and um. And that rolled into us doing another album, uh, which probably did pick up new fans. But the most random fans show up at our concerts, and they're so, they're so broad. I mean, Franklin Graham's audience is broad, right? Right. You know, it's like the most random people. The whosoever's audience is so broad as well, like all kinds of music lovers that really just are there for the message because they were helped in some way. Um, no matter what genre they like. And, um, well, can I, I want to ask you about the whosoever's real quick. Um, and I know that, that a lot of people know about the, that organization. Some people don't, but it's still going pretty strong. But, um, how, how did that all get off the, get off the ground? I know that you and Brian had Welsh were, were involved, but, um, like what, what was the, the, the nucleus of that idea? And then how did it, it spring out to, to do what it's doing today, which is doing remarkable work? Well, we had done um, Family Values Tour with the, with Corn and the Deftones um, mm-hmm. on uh, when we one of our first big tours, I guess. Actually, it wasn't one of our first big tours. It was like right in the middle when things were going really, really crazy with all around me and stuff. <clears throat> but so I got to know the Deftones guys behind the scenes a little bit and particularly Chi from the Deftones, um, very spiritual guy. He's a bass player. Mm-hmm. And, um, always wanted to talk to me about, about spiritual things just, and I didn't really take him that seriously. Cause I didn't, wasn't sure if he was sober sometimes. I'm just like, what do you, like, do you really want to talk about this? Like, and mm-hmm. I felt like he was kind of, and everybody did this to, to us, especially me, um, <clears throat> sort of pick on you because of your faith, not just your faith, but just like, see if it's real, <laughs> you know, right. kind of like, Hmm. You know, um, always wanting to, you know, do something that was that sort of tests you, you know, like the singer for Corn would always be like, see, loves you. <laughs> I'm like, it's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> and he would always say that before he walked on stage. I'm like, Jesus loves you. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, um, it was just funny. The little things like that, but particularly cheat. Um, and we talk about um, God and af- the afterlife and, you know, if, if, if there's a spirit 
cults, you know, and stuff and Buddhism and why, you know, why you can access the spirit realm when you're in a Buddhist and you meditate and what does that have to do with and all these questions and so it's crazy because um, then he was in a car accident um, <clears throat> a few years later and I had toured with POD earlier too. One of the most uh, amazing moments meeting Sonny and I was a dork. I was like so dumb. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I'm probably I was like, I don't know what to say. And I was so <laughs> starstruck. He is he is intimidating because he's so peaceful and so powerful. Like these right. powerful people, literally like Jesus person, like 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 the lion that loves you. <laughs> and you're like, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like. He's so kind and so carries such authority, such weight just from his, the respect he has in so many realms, <laughs> rock and just, anyway, um, meeting him was a big deal for me. And, um, and he was like, oh, that's so cool. You know, I, I'll just tell you one quick story about Sonny. It was, that I think is so funny. Um, <laughs> they were all getting tattoos. There's a tattoo guy came out on the tour. <laughs> we were touring with Stained, I think. And and he said to me one day, he was like, well, are you going to get a tattoo? And I'm like, I'm like, well, I don't, I don't really have money to get one. Actually, I can't afford one right now. He goes, well, listen. And he got real serious. <laughs> like, if you want a tattoo, I'll pay for it. <laughs> and he goes, and this is why, because tattoos, and there was this pause. And I was like, what is he going to say? Like, sage moment. He goes, tattoos are cool. <laughs> I was like, nice. Okay. What, what more reason do you need, right? Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Remember that, kids? Yeah. Tattoos are cool. I, I remember my friend got a tattoo on that one. He's like, I want a little one right here. It's like his whole arm came out. Oh. He's like, I don't know. I got this big. My mom's going to kill me. This uh, man who never had one before. Anyway. Um, but so I knew Sunny and I knew Chi, and she had. And, and Sonny, uh, P.O.D. and Deftones had toured together before as well. They they knew each other. And um, and so Chi ended up getting in a car accident. He wasn't wearing his seatbelt. He was riding with his sister because he didn't have a seatbelt on at the passenger side. He ended up getting thrown, I think, out of the car and ended mm. up in, getting injured and was in a coma. And he was in this coma for a very long time. Um, the entrance ended up running out and Deftones had to continue to tour because they could, they couldn't afford to not tour. And, and so it was really hard, just sad situation. And so, um, Sonny got together, the singer for POD and started this movement, uh, pray for Chi, one love for Chi. And they had talked to Rolling Stone and MTV and they got everybody like, let them know what was going on with Chi and see if they could raise money to help pay for some of those medical bills. <clears throat> and they did. And they did. They, they raised a lot of money and they helped, but there was tons and tons of prayer and he came out for a little while <clears throat> and did pretty well for a little while. And we were, they were like reading him the Bible in there every day. And it was like this crazy thing, like of people just kind of rallying together over this cause of <clears throat> praying and hope, bringing hope to the situation. And he got together with his friend, Ryan Reese. Ryan Reese was um, so on fire for Jesus. His faith was brand new. He had almost died in a hotel drug over drug overdose. Like um, in <clears throat> where was he? Amsterdam. 
something like that. He had this crazy demonic encounter and mm-hmm. almost died and ended up um, coming home. He was, he was a, uh, he did skate demos for Circa Footwear. And so he would throw these big like parties essentially where he would have these kids who were great skateboarders, you know, and he would go and do contests and then he would sponsor kids and, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll lifestyle. His dad is the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Golden Springs, California, has his own crazy story of alcoholism, coming home to kill his family and, Oh, it's the, the wow. gun the gun uh, hits the TV and the TV turns on and there's two there's like who's that you know there's two You're preachers there's two preachers on TV <laughs> and they're they're spe- they start telling him if your life is a mess <laughs> so his dad like gets oh, on his knees and gives his life to Jesus in that moment so this wow. is Ryan's dad and then Ryan ends up growing up crazy you know on this tour or whatever, having this demonic attack. And, then, and he just wrote a book, actually. And I'm, he just sent me an email with the, the book so I could endorse the book. I'm so excited to do that. Um, so this is my first endorsement <laughs> yeah. um, for the Whosoever book, Ryan's Whosoever book. But um, so he got to, he, he, so Ryan was the one that orchestrated the first event, the first Whosoever event with Sonny and Brian Head Welch, who has a story, his own story about overcoming addiction. Right. And um, we have Sonny, his his um, experience with gangs, his mom passing away of cancer and um, <clears throat> telling his story of his, you know, relationship with God. Ryan and, and the hope that he found in that Brian Welsh talking about his experience being free from addiction. Ryan Reese talking about his demonic and freedom and the things that he went through. And then me with struggling with suicide, atheism and depression and all that. <clears throat> and so we put on this event, we tell our stories, which we got together first just to, to raise money and pray for G. But then it turned into us just sharing our, sharing our stories and asking if anybody else needs prayer and help. And so then it turned into just helping kids that are, that just need help that just are struggling. And so it wasn't even like a fundraiser or anything like that. It was just getting together to pray pretty much. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. So going and he's in high school he like he goes to high schools and he goes to rehabs and he goes to halfway houses and he goes to like juvie detention centers and um these he does he's just so raw and edgy it's like even when i first met him he was brand new you know his stories were like ah like (laughs) like i can't get that (laughs) he's just like so real no he's not a church person (laughs) You're like, uh, this is a little rated R uh, here in this church. It's <laughs> my rated R testimony. <laughs> yeah, but he's gotten a lot more like seasoned in how he tells things, you know, not not in a churchy way still, but you know, a lot less <laughs> graphic in some parts. Right. Well, also, um, I know that, uh, you know, you're good friends with uh, Skillet and, and Corey and, and all of them. Um, and Corey, I think, did she help you write the decree? Yes. You guys collaborate on that because you collaborated on, on a couple songs on your, your solo CD as well. <clears throat> um, and then last year, as all going on two years, you were asked to fill in for Jen uh, <laughs> with Skillet on a, on a few yeah. shows. No. You're not playing drums, although you probably could do get, get in there and kick some no, butt. They, no. But they, 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 they gave that task to Jerob. But yeah. um, so to take her place for sure. I know. Go, go figure. That's uh, that's a talented girl. 
But um, so what was that like? Was there any, you know, part of you that was like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know if I should do this. I don't want to screw up. Or is it just like, yes, this is an opportunity. I'm going to get out there and kick it. Like, what was it like? Well, I, I felt, first of all, like, like their family, you know, right. already. So the relational aspect was simple. And they really trusted me and, and really honored me as a singer who's been doing shows for a while. And their confidence in me really helped my, you know, situation, I think, because, because generally when it's my show, when it's a Lacey show or a Flyley show, I'm not worried about, I just, I'm like, okay, God, you gave me this microphone. So help, you know, do whatever you want. You know, I'm not worried about if it flops. I'm, I'm not, if it flops, it's, it's on him. <laughs> 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 but if I'm, I find if it flops and I'm trying to fill in for Jan, <laughs> like everybody's gonna look at me right. and be like okay so it, was, it felt a little you know a little different in it you know ner- I was nervous because it's not natural to sing someone else's songs you know if they're your songs and you change it it's right somebody else's and and they are a very different band they're very different in the way they do things we're more like sloppy like oh I'm sorry not not Josh is not like that but <laughs> You guys are more more just rock and roll. Let's get out there and let's just jam and let's just play. Where they've got to be kind of more precise because of the backing track, you know, the, like the music that they, they have playing there and stuff. Of, and yes, they do a lot of very layered things that are right. so makes the show awesome. Right. It makes the show one of my one of the most. I was like so the first time I saw that show, I was like, this show has to cost a bazillion dollars. <laughs> I <laughs> I know. Can do this. It is a and spectacle. It, yeah, it's great. And I, to see it behind the scenes is really cool to see how they do it, but you definitely need to know what's going on. And, and, and I tend to be just like, I'm in the moment, like right, I'm, yeah. the girl, I'm thinking about that girl in the third row that's got that green sweater on right. <laughs> dreaming about what her life's like, like uh, to her by myself. And this, I have to think about where's Corey. Is she on the riser? When's the fire coming off? And is this, you <laughs> <laughs> You got to you got to worry, worry about your uh, your your uh, stage presence and uh, choreography and stuff like that. And outfit she, that, that she picked out, like Corey picked out my outfit and everything. And I'm like, is this gonna be okay? Is everything in the same place? You know, it's weird stuff that I never think about because I'm just so like I get lost in our show. Like I'm totally lost. I'm not even like I can't even literally can't remember the show when I walk off stage. I, I'm lost. Like I had a spiritual experience. I'm worshiping, I'm praying for people. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm literally like thinking about individuals in the show, in the, in the, in the crowd, constantly the entire show. I'm thinking about the meaning of this song to that woman right there. And I feel like it's, I feel sort of like a clairvoyant moment. And, and it was really cool because I used to have this assistant. She's nice. She really was, I called her my, assistant but she, she, I, I really had her there as a prayer warrior and I had to give her the title and she's a great makeup artist which was a bonus right. um, but she just came with us from the very beginning when, when we were in our 88 Ford club wagon van across going across the U.S. you know she got <laughs> a little spot there by the she's a tiny little lady and she got her little spot there by the by in the front bench of the van like by the window and uh, came out out with us like grown woman like career and everything took her little suitcase and left everything 
Come on, tour with us. Kids, who knows we're going to be successful? Well, I read, uh, you know, majority of the feedback um, was, was very uh, uh, praising of, of your work and, and what you did. You're always going to have the, the boneheads out there. Oh, she's not Jen or whatever. But majority of people, and my, myself included, thought you, you nailed it and did a great job. And if anybody else wants to see it, those videos are out there on, on YouTube uh, to watch uh, Lacey singing with Skillet. Uh, and judge for yourself. I think you did a great job. Link right here. The link right here. <laughs> Other side. Over I love the naysayers, by the way. I love, well, as long as they're honest. They're just right. I love honest people. They're my favorite. I love it. Well, that's, that's, speaking a little bit more uh, of, of Corey and stuff, are you guys, uh, is there plans to re- uh, collaborate any more on new material or no? Right, Not, not right now. Lacey and Corey are like a writing it's ridiculous how quickly, like they wrote six songs. We've only released the decree. We're about to release the second one and third one, but like they wrote six songs in like what, three days, three or four days. (laughs) It's like they're a dynamic duo for sure. And so I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be cool to do that, but it's also cool too. We tried like on life screams, we did three different Mm -hmm. sort of sessions. We did Lacey and Corey session where they wrote together we did a session with um, a guy named David Hodges. He used to play guitar in Evanescence back in the day. Mm-hmm. He's a producer out in LA, a writer. Um, and then we did stuff where it was just our band here in Pittsburgh in the basement, Nirvana style in the garage, just throw the amps on and just see what comes out. So like right. the other two are very calculated, right? Official writing sessions. Yeah. And the other one was just like, let's just jam and see what happens. I think the only song that came from that that we used was Rot. I think that was the only one that was actually from like those sessions there, but the rest were mainly for that. So I like kind of spreading that out a little bit so it doesn't have sort of the same sound, you know what I mean? Throughout the album. Right. Yeah. It's, it's Corey is definitely, um, I would say she's a genius. I think that is probably the best way. She's just, she knows she hears things in her head constantly. She right. constantly has songs going in her head. She wakes up with songs in her head. <laughs> wakes up and looks like she's going on stage. Like she is. <laughs> I've never seen her off her game ever. Right. And I stayed there and I'm like. <laughs> well, she's in the right field. <laughs> I see, yeah, that is that is her thing. And she's excellent. She's just an ex. She's just. Well, it's probably also a nice release too to, to do something outside of Skillet to collaborate with you. Because, you know. Yeah, the first time that we wrote together, she said something like, something like, I, I like working on music when we're not touring to remind myself that I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and she's one of the smartest people that I've ever met. She's a really deep person. She's like, we get, we have a lot of levels that we connect on. And, and she's just so honoring and so kind to me. Like, I just, I feel like, it's too much sometimes. I'm like, how do you put so much trust in my opinion about that? <laughs> you know, cause right. I really don't know. I'm not really like, she's a real musician. She knows like all the instruments. She knows all the, she knows right. Every, every aspect she knows recording. She knows everything about like radio and what they need and blah, 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 all the things. And I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't, I don't know what the note is. I don't know how to read nothing. I don't know. I'm, I barely know how to, I mean, I know like three chords on the guitar. Like, I'm just like, I know, well, a little more than that, but I, I just think it's cra- crazy because she's just so honoring of me and she's so great about it. And that's, I think that's why we wrote together so quickly. She really trusted me. And then she's just really great at 
making songs. Right. And so, and I just caught on. I mean, it's a really easy way to write. It's just easy. Well, I mean, again, you listen to your, your solo stuff. I don't think you, you, I don't think anybody listening to that um, is going to come away thinking, well, they, these guys don't know how to write songs. What do they think? And I don't, nobody's going to come away thinking that. So, the, so it's a great album. And um, like I said, I think it's, it's, it's a collaboration of, you know, multiple facets, but, you know, not just with, with uh, you and Corey, Josh obviously had a you know huge hand obviously in that. Um, but it was amazing. Like yeah. I, I, I like care. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. I, I am really just want to say I, when Josh mixed gave and I care about mixes, I'm, I'm like, I really don't think I care because I hardly hear ones that I like. That's why. Right. But like, I don't, it doesn't ever like stand out to me, but when I hear a mix and I'm like, Oh my gosh, the mix was so good. I could hear everything. I could feel in the right spots. Like it, it, it was the voice. It was like right in your ear. Like it was like exactly like all those things. That's really beautiful about when you catch it. Like, you know, when there's a drummer and you really, he stands out. Because right. there's something special about it. And every other time you don't even think about the drums or like a guitarist. Josh is a kind of guitarist like that too. But he when he mixed the album, I remember when I first heard I didn't it, mix the album. When, oh, I was talking about live. I was talking, Evan. About, I was talking about the decree. Oh, you're talking about live streams. I thought you were. Yeah. But I, thought Evan, you were, I thought you were too. <laughs> Everything I learned, I learned from Evan, just so you know. So you can Evan, brag Evan, him. Evan is the first one. Evan is one of the, the first ones out, outside of two other producers or mixers. Um that I that I felt that way about two others is it and then Evan and Evan ended up doing live streams, which he's, I love. He's a friend of mine. I had a Pittsburgh local band called Kairos, and our drummer had a brother who lived in Los Angeles named Evan, who was just in a band called Cage Nine, which has amazing albums, by the way. Really good band. He really had a great studio. Sounds. He's always recorded his own stuff. Yeah. And we just said if we're gonna go record, I you know I showed her Evan's CD. She goes, I want to sound like this. Yes. Right. So we went out there, and this is kind of jumping back to our beginning conversation, but like his studio was a room just like mine, a really small studio. His gear was from the '90s. It was not great gear. His microphones <laughs> were busted, but that dude There's knew how to use air it. Conditioner right. in the window. I'm like, you want to turn that off? He's like. It's yeah, there's bands playing on both sides of the room, like you know, while we're trying to record vocals, and it's like he he didn't have all the expensive equipment that you've seen in these amazing studios. He had, you know, a very Heart. very <laughs> modest setup and just crushed it. He knew what to do and knew how to make it sound the way that he wanted to, and so he yeah. was. Yeah, he was definitely a, definitely a great sound. I my you know one of my favorite cuts off that is "Life Screams," the uh, you know just such a powerful song, uh, and and again, it's one of those songs. It's like. There, there are certain songs that like whenever like the, the, the chorus kicks in or something or the vocals come in, the background vocals, I don't know what it is. You just hear a part of the song and you go, yes, they nailed it. That's, that's the way it's supposed to be. And, and that's just one of those songs like when it kicks in, you're just like, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. And it's all like a little uh, ching, 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 what you do with the guitar there, um, you know, is just like, that's like in the perfect spot. It's like, so don't, you know, folks they don't they're not just going in the studio just jamming okay this stuff is thought out at least that's the way it comes across to people who are listening to it so um it, it sounds very well put together so the, this um with with some of this time off and i know i even probably know the answer to this question but i'm going to ask it anyways let me let me preface it another way you have uh three books that basically tell your life you have the reason which is uh, your early life and childhood and, and how you uh, were saved. 
And that talks about, you know, the formings of Flyleaf and, and with meeting of Josh. And you have the mystery, um, which is about uh, relationships and about how uh, tough relationships are and about how there, there are a lot of uh, work. Um, and uh, then you have the return, which just talks about basically it. I look at all these are like instructional books, you know what I mean? It's instructions on how to live your life by returning the love to God that he has given to you and how to live your life with, you know, everything you do should be showing love towards God. And uh, so with some of this downtime, is there a need for a fourth book? Are you thinking about a fourth book? <laughs> that's the perfect answer <laughs> um, four and five four and five at least yeah I don't know. Oh. listen we... writing a book it's stressful for josh <laughs> it's hard for me i'm not writing the book but right. you know like when Lacey had to go through her childhood and all these you know really deep emotional things like she has to work those things out and relive them so she can capture them you know right. like it's a big deal to do that and same thing, you know, her second book where she had to talk about her first marriage and her divorce and all these different things. And, you know, it's a messy situation when you're like going back through the stuff that you came out of, right? you know, to get it informed. And so like, there's two other books and I can't say what they're going to be about, but like, I think it's important. They're, they're going to be books for her, you know, technically our contract with our um, publisher is up. And so I feel like a lot of the things that we wanted to talk about or weren't sure to, we can do whatever we want now because we're not under contract anymore. <laughs> but I think the next two books, the next one in particular is going to be really important. Um, if no one else, just for Lacey. And that's, I think that's how all good art is. If you're making art just for yourself, because it's something you would like, generally other people are going to enjoy that too. You know, yeah, absolutely. We've never, we've never made music or art or anything to please other people, you know? And I think that, um, there's been times where we've had to do that when? with Flyleaf, but oh, not okay. us, right? Well, I doubt that uh, whether you set out to uh, write a book that's going to be inspiring or instructional, um, you know, I think that if, it's, if that's just something that naturally comes out of, out of writing, um, you know, just know that I think that when, when I've at least feedback I've gotten from pe other people who have, have read your books and stuff, that's that's what's happening. I mean, people are getting inspired. They're getting, um, you know, basically good instructions. Oh yeah. I never thought about it that way before or whatever. And, um, you know, that's the way kind of like I, I looked at, uh, at, at the return, um, is, you know, I looked at it as, as a, a, an instructional way to live my life. So it's, it's very help, very helpful. Well, that it, it's interesting. You said it that way because <clears throat> Originally, I wanted to call it the stewardess, um, but then they were worried that it would that people were thinking it was about money. But it's a it is is supposed to be about recognizing life as a gift and how did you use it when you face God? What are you gonna you know like what did you do with like you could face him tomorrow? What did right. you do? I mean, people are dying all around me right now. It's crazy. Like every time I turn around, I'm there's somebody at a funeral or something is going on, and so you're. I'm having to talk to my kids about this almost every day, like um, about, yeah, tomorrow's not guaranteed. If you face God tomorrow, what are you going to say? When you come out of this body, you're going to be in front of your creator. Right. And what do you do with the gift he gave you? And so what I wanted to share and what people ask me all the time, like how did you become a rock star? How do you do this? Or how do you do that? And really all I do is just try to say that like, okay, God, thank you for a new day. How can I thank you? 
how can I love you back? Just like I said. So that's how everything that has ever touched the beyond me has gone come about. Um, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> like, I'm ready to go, but God, like it's not time. You right. know, what I mean? yeah. and I'm like, okay, well, so let's let's do this adventure. You yeah. know, and what is this one? You know, um, well, when the time comes, I've because I'm, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat you are. I'm like I'm not in a rush to go, but I'm ready to go. I know you because know you mean? had your own season where you're having to face death and have yeah. to like deal with it. Like, well, what if? This was it. What'd you right. do? Did you did you do what you felt like you're supposed to do today? I mean, yeah. what's today's all you got? You know, right. calm down about everything else. Just what's right in front of you, you know? And I think that that's what makes us work together so well. <laughs> and that's that's kind that's kind of what brought me to you because you know, I mean, that's I I just have this, you know, I I'm led by the by the spirit and yeah. I was to, I was told to to get in touch with you and reach out to you and and somehow something would come of it. And I'm like, no, nah, whatever. Okay, God, I'll, if that's what you say, let's do it. So, and that's, that's my whole life. That's pretty much every day. Like, right. It's very difficult to live with somebody like that. Can I just add that? Your poor wife, Michael. I know, I know. She says, <laughs> she, yes, you, you, you can have sympathy for so, no, so. It's a rich life of adventure and uncertainty. Right. So anyway, so yeah, we probably should wrap it up. Um, but I really appreciate you guys taking the time to, to do this. I, and again, I, I didn't want to make this a, a, a typical, you know, let's go through Lacey's life and all the stuff that everybody knows and stuff like that. So this is the stuff that's on my mind. And, and uh, if it's on my mind, I'm sure it's on someone else's mind. So, but uh, is there anything you guys want to plug? Uh, anything you've got coming up? Um, actually, you know, a little over a year ago, we met this guy um, wanted to work on a feature film with us. Hmm. And, uh, Sounds interesting. Very persistent man. Let me tell you about this guy named Michael. <laughs> Sounds like some idiot that I know. <laughs> He's a Yenzer from Pittsburgh. That's my buddy. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're. Uh, so you're making a movie, huh? I hmm, can't that's... say too much, but we're finally making a feature film. Awesome. And, uh, it's going to encapsulate Lacey's story. <laughs> Three books um, and one. No, I don't really know. Maybe it's a trilogy. We'll see. We <laughs> Could be a trilogy. Can't mentioned the name yet but we agreed on a director and um excited we've got a great team of people all coming together and so uh yeah that's exciting going into yeah. the new year with you know everything in place so so ever anybody that's been you know i know we've been teasing this for almost two years now or something going on that so you're like what, what's going on what's going on these things take time people they really take time trust me we're still working on things it's still coming and things are pro progressing and moving forward but these things do take times some movies take you know five six years to put together but you know hopefully that won't be this case but you never know but um so how about anyone so you want to, uh, people to keep in touch with you on on uh social media at all would uh get your your Instagram is uh, official AC Sturm, right? Official AC Sturm Instagram. Most of them are official AC Sturm. Twitter's just AC Sturm. Um, we're and jo jo Joshua Levi Sturm for Joshua you. Joshua Levi Sturm. Yeah, you can follow me too. I forgot. Yeah. Um, well, hey, you guys you know, are a pair here, so why not? Let me ask you a question. I'm I'm thinking of like making the studio legit um, and yeah. actually starting to take on clients. Um, there's maybe. one right there. There's one right there. There we oh, go. Over here. Hey, Mike, you got my wrong name up there <laughs> again. <laughs> it won't. It won't show. Don't worry. Okay. 
I'm actually um, looking to start. I'm actually doing a, an acoustic single here in early January. But I'm looking to do my an acoustic EP yeah. of like four four songs, sort of have a story. They're all sort of related, and it's just going to be called just me. It's just going to be me and a and an acoustic and an acoustic guitar. Um, you know, I'm a local guy here. Obviously, you could tell from my accent. I'm here. <laughs> originally from Pittsburgh, but I've been doing on even my musician page. And I started, I've been playing for years, but I started out at zero and, you know, 36 followers. I got like 2,700 now, but the last thing I did was just a cell phone and me playing a song about if I, you know, if I met somebody who found out they were dying from cancer, it's got over 19,000 views just from my, yeah. from my cell phone. So I'm looking to roll with that because people are actually paying attention to, versus me, you know, turning on a Marshall and pulling out some of my electrics and doing that. So, I mean, that's really something that I'd like to get started up in, in February. And I've been, you know, I've been talking to some of the people around here and I've actually was contacted by somebody that I'm doing the single ad actually is trying, want me to promote his new studio, but it sort of gets back to the whole sort of thing of, is it really of something that I could, that could be radio play because of the sound quality. Yeah. I have some really nice guitars and Martin D 35. I also have a couple of the triple O's, the 16 to 15 series and add in, I'm just looking, you know, I don't expect it's going to take a million hours, but I'm looking for somewhere, you know, good to go. Maybe even have a good story behind it. Maybe get some people to pay attention and hopefully it'll, hopefully it'll like, it. I think it's actually going to be pretty good. Awesome. Well, is this also a, a call for uh, clients? Do you want people to contact you if they're interested in studio time? I'll, you know, I'll set that up officially when I'm ready to pull the trigger. We'll see. Okay. I'm, I'm mixing my first album because I've done mostly singles up to this point. Now I'm doing a whole album like, oh, they all have to kind of sound similar and it has to be consistent. So, well, why don't we give them a shout out because we know who the band is. Why don't you give, you give yeah, the band a shout out? Go ahead. So the band's called The Unexpected. Um, Walker Clark is the leader of that band. He's a friend of ours. It's our manager's son. Uh, they actually came on tour with us, did some shows. If you guys saw us on that one tour. The and the music sounds slamming. It sounds great. It's really great. It's yeah. coming from Josh. <laughs> Anything he does is so good. Come on. All right, guys. Well, hey, I hope you and your family have a wonderful Christmas and a, and a blessed New Year. Of course, I'll probably see you before the New Year. We know we're going to see each other before yes. the New Year. But uh, anyways, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. We also want to thank our, our other guest, John Elefante. And uh, thank you guys for making this our first uh, year doing the Blabberbrain show. Uh, pretty awesome. And uh, we're looking forward to season two starting next uh, month, somewhere along the line. And uh, so anyways, everybody have a healthy and safe and happy uh, Christmas, New Year's, Kwanzaa, Festivus, uh, Hanukkah. Happy holidays. Just happy combine holidays. it all in just one. Happy birthday, Jesus. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll, we'll see you later. Have a good one. You guys, thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye.